All right, there we go. Well, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. Hey, if this is your first time with us, I'm so glad you came. I'm Pastor Scott, and uh, in your program as you came in, this yellow piece of program, and uh, there's a connection card inside there. There's a little card. And just take a minute, if you can, fill it out. Let us know about your visit with you. Now I can see you. So this is great. So you see me, I see you. And, uh, but anyway, uh, at, the end of the off- at the end of the service, we have an offering. To- we ask you to drop that card in the offering basket. And, uh, man, what a big week. I mean, we, we closed, um, yeah, on a building. And uh, in about two months, we'll be moving into a new location. And uh, we'll be we're trying to get the work started. And, and it's already been started, getting ready for the, our occupancy, our certificate of occupancy. And uh, hopefully we'll get that done in the next week. And, um, but yeah, a, a lot happening. And then this week, it's a huge week, Vacation Bible School. And uh, we have 80, was it 80 plus volunteers. That's amazing. 80 plus volunteers. Give yourself a hand. I mean, that's great. We've got close to 100 kids, and we'll get more kids sign up, you know, as they go along. They always do. And uh, just exciting to see what's happening. All that takes place here. And uh, it's going to be a great week. We weren't able to do VBS last year. We've done it every year. But last year, with the building construction, and it was a big mess last year. It's a mess. As you came in, you see a mess. But it wasn't as bad as last year. Um, and in fact, you know, just hang in there. A couple more weeks, we'll be switching doors. And we'll be allowed to come into the new atrium and a new bathroom that's out here, and uh, it'll all be pretty much done. So hopefully in the next week or so, that will be finished. And, uh, but we, are, um, we won't be here long to enjoy it too much, all right? And so, well, hey, we're in our last message of our, our series called Stranger Stories. We're just looking at some bizarre stories in the Bible. And I got to tell you, it was hard to really kind of pit the three weeks three stories that are bizarre because there's a lot of, when you read it, there's a lot of strange stories, a lot of the supernatural. And, um, and so when we were picking stories, this one really kind of jumped out. And I thought, you know, I don't, it's not often you preach a message on this story that we're going to talk about today. And, uh, and let me give you the back story because you're wondering, the title, Mom Said I Can't Say That Word. And let me give you the back story. When I was in fourth grade or fifth grade Sunday school at my church, I, they, we taught, you know, our church, we taught from a translation with, with the King James Version, old style English Bible. Okay, and that was the version that we used. And, uh, and one Sunday school class lesson, we went through this story, talking about a story about Balaam and his donkey. Now, in the King James, they didn't use the word donkey. Y'all catch my drift? Okay, and and can you just imagine the teacher, he's just reading it word for word from the King James Bible, and he's talking about Balaam's donkey. And you got fourth grade boys. What do you think we're doing? Oh, we're giggling. We think it's hilarious. And then you got the one little boy who raised his hand and he said to the teacher, he said, teacher, my mama said I can't say that word. And I think the teacher said, you know what, let's just change the word to donkey. Uh, we're going to talk about this crazy, bizarre story of Balaam and his talking donkey. And what is the story all about? Some of you probably never heard of this story. Maybe some of you have, and you're just like, you know, I remember hearing about it. I, you know, it'd be good to refresh my mind. And to be honest with you, we don't have time to unpack this entire story. This story is three chapters long. And we're just going to kind of look at a snippet, and I'm hoping that maybe um, I, I, I'll summarize the best that I can. But let me give you real quick the back story. You got Israelites, they have 
left Egypt. They're going to the promised land. All right, they're headed there, and, and they're making their way, and there's a probably, some scholars believe that there probably is a million people in the nation of Israel. All right, whatever it is, it was a large number of people. And, and they're walking as a country without a country, without their land, but they're going to go claim a land that's going to be their final home. And so they've got to navigate from Egypt to where they're at today, Israel, where we know, but there's a journey. There's a three-year journey to get there. And so to get there, they have to walk through other territories, other countries. And other countries were threatened by the size of Israel. They're like, who are these people? Why are they here? We don't want them walking through our land, drinking our water, you know, eating our fruit and vegetables. We don't want them, you know, to, 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 to take over our land. And, and, and Israel, all they wanted to do, the Hebrew people, they just wanted to walk through. In fact, Moses would approach some of the leaders and say, listen, we're just going to walk through. We're not going to touch anything. We're not going to leave our footprint behind. We're just, we're just trying to get from point A to point B. But the leaders of these individual countries weren't buying it. And, and, and they, were, uh, they felt, okay, you guys are coming in. We don't trust you. And so they would come in and they would attack the Hebrews. And every time, the Israelites would win. And they would destroy the army that was attacking them. This went on several times leading up to chapter 22 of the book of Numbers. And we'll see the story unfold. And so now we're in chapter 22. And there's another land called the Moab, the land of Moab. And, and there's a king named Balak. All right, Balak the king. And he hears about the power of God, the power of the Israelite army, and he's scared. He, he figured it out. He said, man, the Israelites got some ancient mojo going on. And, and, and if we do what everybody else does and try to attack them, we're probably going to lose. And so he thought, you know what, I'm going to, do a, I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to find my local sorcerer, okay, and I'm going to order up him to come to my palace and to do a curse. Do a curse on the Israelites. To curse them, and to curse them bad, make them weak. And then, after they're weak, then we'll come in, and we'll kill them, and destroy them after the curse that they have. And so his local sorcerer was a guy named Balaam. Now, Balaam is conflicted. We're going to see this Balaam. I think Balaam, you know, he was hearing about the power of God, the word of God, I think there were some things in his life that were changing. I don't think he was quite there. I think he was confused. And yet he gets a call from King Balak. Hey, I want you to come. I'm going to pay you lots of money. I'm gonna get, I want you to come, and I want you to curse the Israel. Curse these people. Make them weak. Make them frail, fragile. And so... The, the messenger of King Balak came to Balaam. They had to travel away, and they get there overnight, overnight journey, and, and they come and say, hey, King Balak summons you. He wants you to come, and he has money to offer you. And, and he says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go. Well, he, at first he says, okay, let me, I, I'll think about it. He, put, he goes to bed that night. God comes in a dream and says, don't go. So he wakes up and says, no, I can't go. I can't go. So the messenger go back to Balak and said, Balaam's not coming. Balak is like, oh, man, we've got to offer more money. Uh, he, he, he's negotiating here. He, we've got to give him more. And so I want you guys to go back to Balaam. I want, in fact, I'm going to send more of my, my uh, counsel to go. Here's more money. And I want you to get him to come because, man, our life hangs in the balance. 
I mean, Israel is going to come and destroy us. By the way, the Israelites just wanted to pass through. But he's paranoid. He's thinking, man, these guys are coming to plunder, take over, destroy us. And so they go back. They go back to Balaam with bigger pile of money, of offer of money, more people. And that's kind of where we pick the story in verse number 18. But Balaam answered them, Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord. Now, verse number 19, Now spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. And that night, God came to Balaam. This is the second time. God goes to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Now, I need to pause here because there is a, like I said, Balaam is conflicted. He's hearing, I mean, God is using this pagan sorcerer who is somehow connected to God in some way. You see, God can use, we're going to talk about this, God can use anybody, all right? And he's using this situation. And I, I hear, I believe that Balaam, is, he's trying to figure this all out, all right? He, he doesn't, you know, he's not in the world. He's not, you know, in Israel camp. And so I think he's just hearing bits and pieces. But at the same time, money always motivates. Money always motivates. And I think what happens here. And we're going to begin to see this according to Jewish traditions that Balaam, you know, he's like, you know what, I'm going to go because money talks. And you know what, if I got to curse some people and get paid well, you know, that, that's part of his motivation. Uh, he's not going out of a heart of ministry. He's going because, man, it, it's a paying job. I've got an opportunity to get paid. And so that was part of the tradition. But let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens with that attitude here in the story. Verse number 21. So Balaam, he gets up in the morning. He saddled the donkey, his donkey. And he went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. And, and, and again, this is interesting because God just said he could go, right? But I think this whole attitude and motives of going was not where it should be. Uh, he's going for the money. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Now Balaam was riding on his donkey. And his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road, with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Now, by the way, Balaam doesn't see the angel. Only the donkey is seeing the angel. And he's freaking out. He's freaking out because he's seeing an angel with a sword, you know, and an angel, I mean, this is not an angel on top of the Christmas tree. That's not what an angel really looked like. I mean, angels were terrifying if you saw one. Every time someone encounters an angel in the Bible, they got scared. I mean, they, have, they oftentimes say, don't be afraid. It's okay. <laughs> don't be afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm here to deliver a message from the Lord. All right, well, here we got an angel with a sword drawn, and the donkey sees it, and he takes off the road right into a field. I mean, think about it. Donkeys aren't a fun riding animal. The picture of Balaam, you know, going on a wild ride, okay? And, he, and he's in the middle of the field. He beats up the, the donkey and get it back on the road. Verse number 24. Then the angel of the Lord again stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. So it's got a very narrow part of the road. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So now Balaam got a broken foot out of his whole deal. 
and he's getting mad. So he beat the donkey again. So what is the problem here? Verse number 26, later on, the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam. Balaam was angry and just beat it with his staff. I mean, this is like ancient road rage. This is, this is tough. Going crazy. And the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Now let me just hit the pause button here for just a minute. This is, this is just too good here. I mean, you've got to give, you have to give Balaam the benefit of the doubt. How, how many of you got pets? You got pets? Has your pet ever talked and asked you a question? No. It never has. And so Balaam's donkey talking, and I don't know how I would respond. I'm not sure how I would respond to any animal talking. I'm not sure you would know how to respond if your pet start to talk to you. So Balaam donkey talking, and then Balaam, he responds. I mean, he's having an argument with his donkey. He answers, he said, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. And I'm thinking, dude, you've got a talking donkey on your hand. You don't need Balak money no more. You've got a traveling carnival. You've got a gig in Vegas. You can retire early. Nobody kills a, a talking donkey. Bad idea. Turn around. Game's over. Tell Balak, keep his money. I've got me a donkey that talks. And I love the donkey response. It's so logical. The donkey is the rational one here. <laughs> Look at verse number 30. The donkey said to Balaam, Hey, am I not your own donkey, which you've always ridden? Have I been in the habit of doing it to you? Well, I don't know what Balaam's thinking, you know, but I'm thinking he's probably like, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah, you're making a good point. He said, No. It's like he couldn't have come up with a better answer, right? And I, and I love so many things about this story. We can unpack more at this point. But, you know, here, here's the thing. Balaam is the most respected person in this corner of the world. And he's dumber than a donkey. Does that encourage anybody here? <laughs> Verse number 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And now... He saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword drawn. All right, so now, this is a bizarre moment. Paranormal number one, a talking donkey. Talking donkey. Paranormal number two is an angel with a sword ready to knock off his head, right? At this point in the story, I'll be like, you know what? This is a bad day to wake up. I should have not got out of bed today. I'm running the other way, and I'm running as fast as I can because I've never seen an angel nor a talking donkey all in one moment. But notice Balaam. He bowed low and fell face down. And the angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkeys these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one for me. It's reckless one before me. He said, man, you're, you're going to see Balak with the wrong attitude, with the wrong heart. You're just in it for the money. You want to curse people. You don't care. You're not even willing to listen. I know your heart already. You're going to do whatever Balak tells you to do. And I want you to wake up and smell the coffee because I own the deal here. I'm in charge, and you, I want you at the end of the day, because you're going to be tempted by the money, you're going to lose the money, because I'd rather you follow me than King Balak. He said, your path 
is reckless before me. The donkey saw me. He turned away from me these three times. If it, if it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now. But I would have spared it, the donkey. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak official. So I'm, I'm going to really kind of hone in on that part of the story. We'll give it three applications. Three lessons that we can learn from Mr. Ed, right? Uh, the talking donkey. Mr. Ed was the talking horse, right? We don't know the donkey's name. I wish we had a name for the donkey. That would have been great. But we know three lessons. And I actually had a lot more that I want to unpack, but we don't have time for that. But there are three that I feel that God wants me to teach you today. Here's number one. Sometimes God has to get in the way to show us the way. Sometimes God has to get in the way to show us the way. You see, there's a Balaam in all of us. And every one of us goes to Balaam. Many times we get angry like Balaam because we can't seem to get where we want to go. And at the same time, it's God who's getting in the way. It's God that gets in the way sometimes. Sometimes God stops us. Sometimes God diverts us. Sometimes God reroutes us and we get frustrated. And I think that what we have in the story, and if we can get a handle of this, that when we begin to get a handle on the way that God works in our lives, it, when we understand that sometimes God has to get in the way to show us the way, when we understand that, it's going to free you to experience a lot more joy, even in those circumstances that are frustrating. I mean, we have frustrating moments when, we have a, when we're driving down a road and we see a detour sign. And we're like, I didn't know that was coming. And we get frustrated, knowing that if we stay straight and avoid, ignored the detour sign, they could lead to danger. And sometimes the detour that God has for us is frustrating sometimes, but God has a plan. God knows what's best. Sometimes the blessing of God come in strange packages. They come disguised. Blessings in disguise. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever had a blessing in disguise? Sometimes to get to where we go, where God wants to go, he has to interrupt our plans. God has to get in the way. And when God gets in the way, it's not what we want. But by the grace of God, God sometimes has to get us in the way to show us the way. He has to get in the way to show us the way. And if you're patient and you tune to the Holy Spirit with donkey ears. All right? Donkey got great hearing. Right? I, I, I do some, uh, some uh, biology lesson or some, you know, lesson, science lesson about the donkey. They've got incredible hearing. All right? But the way they hear it, wherever their ears are directing. So if they start hearing noise, you, know, you ever notice that the donkey ears that just start moving around? All right? And sometimes we have to tune in. And listen to the still, small voice of God. God had to get in the way sometimes so that he could show us the way. Let me tell you what the Lord has been doing in my heart the past, the past few months, the past year. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 7. The Bible said, to the angel... Which, by the way, the word angel is the, is in the Greek, it's actually the word messenger, all right? So he may have not actually been talking about an angel like we are talking about, but it really couldn't be interpreted to the pastor, okay, or the head minister of the church in Philadelphia. Now, by the way, this is not in Pennsylvania, okay? Philadelphia is actually a city in the land of Turkey, nowadays Turkey, um, which is on the on the west coast, almost to the west coast of Turkey. And so 
And these, so look here, to the messenger of the church in Philadelphia, he said, these are the words of him. Who's him? He's talking about Jesus Christ. He said, these are the words of Jesus, who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And then he said in verse number 8, I know your deeds. He said, I have placed before you an open door. And I, I want you to hear this. I am always praying for open doors. Because I believe God to open doors that I cannot do on my own. It's one of the most amazing things about being a follower of Christ. He's going to take you places you can't go by yourself. Why? Because he has access to them. I'm friends. I have friends that I went to school with, and they graduated from school, uh, from college, and they joined the Secret Service. Every now and then I'd see one of my friends. They pop in here and when they're in town visiting. And uh, in fact, one of our church members is, is, uh, is at, church, at Secret Service school, you know, and getting ready to be at Secret Service. I love talking to Secret Service. And I'm like, hey, tell me something cool. Tell me something that nobody else knows, right? You know, and, and you start having conversation, and they say, you know, I'll tell you, but I have to kill you kind of a conversation. I say, all right, let's not go that far then. All right, let's just keep it simple, all right? And, and so, but it's kind of neat. They talk about the different assets and the different levels that you can go to. And I'm fascinated by all of these things. And I think that's where they first is getting at. There is nowhere that God can't go. He has access to anywhere and everywhere. He has the authority and the power to do it. And here's what the Lord's been teaching me to pass you. You can't pray for an open door if you aren't willing to allow God to close the door. You, you can't pray for an open door if you aren't willing to allow God to close the door. And we are sometimes so hypocritical. We pray for open doors, and then we get so frustrated, upset. We get angry at God when he closes the door. I remember when I was in college, and there was a young lady, and I really liked her, and we started dating. All right? And we started dating, and, and we had a five-month, you know, on a five-month anniversary. I mean, I was head over heels. I thought, man, God, you had given me the one. This is it. And on our five-month anniversary, she just got, and I got the flowers. I got everything, you know. And she says, Scott, I, I want to break up. I'm like, you want to break up? Why? What have I done? Oh, it's not you. It's me. I'm like, what? What does that mean? That's why I just don't have peace. I, uh, what do you mean don't have peace? You know, I'm a nice guy. I'm a peaceful guy. <laughs> what do you mean you don't have? It's a nice guy. I just don't, you know, and she starts crying. And I said, well, got to give me a reason here. Help me to learn something from there. You know, what did I do? How did I mess this up? And she said, no, it's not you. It's me. And I mean, talk about having no closure. You know I mean? I'm like, I don't get it. And, and, and God closed the door in that relationship. But let me say, for six months, I was, I was kind of weird. I made it uncomfortable. I tried to pry that door open. I said, no, keep the door open. Do we have a chance? Is there hope? You know, maybe about three, four months after we broke up, I said, hey, you want to go on a date? She said, all right, let's go one time. I said, hey, isn't it great? No. God closed the door. And I was trying to keep it open. I prayed for the open door, but I wasn't willing for God to close it. God sometimes had to get in the way to show me the way. And there was a lesson that I needed to learn in that relationship, in that relationship that God opened and closed, in that relationship that God opened and closed, so I could be the man, the person that I am, for the right person, for the right door in my life. Karen. But sometimes we try to force the door open. Maybe you can relate with a job opportunity that didn't happen. Maybe a promotion that went to someone else in, the com in, your, in your company. 
perhaps maybe a sale of a home that fell through in the 11th hour. And, and, and God closes the door, and we get the frustration. We're like, what is going on? Here's what I'm saying. Sometimes the blessing is God closing the doors. We may not know it at that moment. We get frustrated in that moment. But the blessing of God, sometimes it's God closing the doors. Sometimes that's the blessing so that God can open the right door. And so closed doors that often set us up to go where God wants to go. I mean, I look past the last two years here at Lake Point, looking for land, looking for building, looking for property. When we thought we thought of property, and uh, we get into it, and God closed the doors, and I would get frustrated. And then there was another opportunity, and God closed the door, and I'd get frustrated. I said, man, what's going on here? When we got this opportunity for this building, there were, there were three or four other bidders. In fact, on, on Saturday, yesterday, no, Friday, I'm sorry, on Friday, I had a car pulled up. I'm sitting in the front of the new church building. All right, and I'm waiting for the keys. You know, I'm waiting for the keys to arrive. And someone pulled up, and, and, and the guy rolled down the window and said, hey, has this building been sold yet? I said, I believe it has. <laughs> well, I heard the deal fell through. I said, I'm pretty sure it did it. <laughs> oh, how do you know? Because we closed yesterday. <laughs> oh, and then he just took off. I mean, I was like, okay, I don't know who that was. Hey, in the process, I mean, I was working hard. I mean, you can ask my wife, you can ask so many people. And I said, man, are we offering enough? Are we doing enough? Are we, I mean, what if we lose it? And finally someone says, Scott, if God closed the doors, you've got to be okay with that. I mean, I don't like hearing that. Come on. Man, I, it's my job to keep the door open. I said, no, it's God's job if you want to keep it open or not. And sometimes God has to get in the way to show us the way. Well, that's the first application. That's the second application. If you're taking note, God can use anyone or anything to accomplish his purpose. He can use anyone or anything to accomplish his purpose. First of all, he can use a pagan sorcerer to accomplish his purpose. Think about that. God can use anyone. But then, he can use anything. Let me, let me make it personal. You know, I think sometimes when you read the Bible, you know, you try to put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're reading, try to be in that person's shoes. For example, last week, we talked about Ezekiel walking in the valley of dry bones. And I told you last week, to put yourself in Ezekiel's sandal so that we can get a better understanding of the story. However, I think it's more difficult to put yourself in the hooves of the animal you're reading about. Why? Because they're not people, and it's real hard to get in the, the, it's real hard to get in the head of a donkey. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think in this story, it's fascinating to me because the donkey... It's actually a really good example for us. And I think what I'm trying to say right here is, be the donkey. <laughs> be the donkey. And what I mean by that is sometimes you need someone to be the donkey in your life that keeps you from going where that person knows you should not go. Now, again, I would love to use the King James Version word here, but I'm going to stick with donkey. Be the donkey. Be the stubborn donkey in someone else's life. Be the right kind of donkey. Now, there's a wrong way to be a donkey, and there's a right way to be a donkey. In fact, you know, Nathan the prophet, he had to be a donkey in the life of King David and said, David, you have sinned, and I've got to help you wake up and smell the coffee. I gotta help you wake up to see what road that you're on because you're going down a dangerous, reckless path. And God will use you sometime to be a donkey in someone's life. See, the donkey sees a spiritual reality that the Balaam didn't even see. 
And sometimes that's true in our lives. Sometimes we're walking down a path in our lives that's reckless. And maybe someone in your life that's close to you, they, just want, they need to speak truth. And sometimes the truth is the hard truth. And it's not easy. Because they may not like what you have to say. In fact, they might beat you like Balaam beat a donkey. They may not beat you physically, but they might beat you with words, and they might beat you with, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm thinking. And you're like, man, I'm just trying to help you because I love you. And you're going down a path, and I see it. A lot of people see it, and they're just blind to it. And sometimes we're blinded, and we need some tough love, some donkeys in our lives. Now, be the donkey the right way. And this is where you need to be spirit-led. All right? This is not where you can just start brain in everyone's life. You need to be spirit-led. And I can't really prescribe this. This is something that you have to tune in with God and really take it to the Lord in prayer. You know, and say, God, I, I, make this not my opinion, what I think, but God, make this, if this is really what you want me to say to my friend, Give me the courage to say it with, with truth. But speak the truth with love. The hard truth sometimes needs to be told. And I'm not saying that happens every day, but there may be times where we just got to get in someone's grill and say, hey, you, know, you really need to think it through. Have you, have you thought about this? Have you prayed about this? Be a donkey. Be a donkey in someone's life. God can use anyone or anything to accomplish his purpose. And if God can use a dumb donkey in Balaam's story, he can use you. I want to talk to your neighbor and say, if God can use a dumb donkey, he can use you. Go ahead, look at the neighbors. If God can use a dumb donkey, he can use you. And by the way, that's a compliment, okay? God can use us. If he can use a donkey to accomplish his mission and purpose, he can use you. Be a blessing in disguise in someone's life. Be the miracle in someone's life. Sometimes we're so focused on the miracle that we need from God that we totally ignore the miracle that we could be a part of because we're so consumed with our own problem, with our own issue, and then we forfeit our own miracle because we're so self-consumed. And God said, why don't you treat me the miracle and step up in someone's life? This past week, I, uh, many of you may not know this, but we're connected with a, with a baseball field, Jimmy John's, um, with, uh, with chaplain ministry. In fact, they reached out to me last night and said, hey, we're looking for a place to have weekly Bible study for baseball players from all over the country. Can we use your base? I said, hey, you sure can. I said, how much do you charge? I said, you don't need to pay anything. Just if, you know, we want to be a, a church that's community-minded. We want to help you. You, you want to use this, it'll be a blessing. And so the past week, and they've been using it every week. It's been awesome. And because of your generosity, we're allowed to use our facilities to, to be a blessing to other ministries, reaching people. And, uh, and so the past week, they said, hey, Pastor Scott, we like to share in our weekly Bible study. And so I sat with them the past Tuesday night, and I did the lesson for them, got, got to know them a little bit uh, with the baseball players. And, and the baseball players left, and, and the team lead, and the, the leader of the ministry got together and, and said, hey, We've got a big day next week. We're going to baptize at Jimmy John's Field, which is tomorrow night. They're doing a baptism, worship for all the baseball players. It's going to be a great atmosphere. We're going to have food for all the baseball players. And uh, the guys just can pray about this. We need 700 more dollars. And I, you know, I began to pray with them and pray God. And, and, and God helped these guys to write, you know, to get $700. And I, and I hear God tapping me on the shoulder. I said, Scott, why are you praying for it? when you can be the miracle for that prayer that they're praying for. And I step out of that prayer group, 
That's a man, I need that money for the building, I need this. But then I remember, no, the reason why we exist is to help people take next step with Jesus Christ. We're here to help expand ministry all over and be mission-minded. And so I went to the office, wrote a $700 check so that you can be a miracle for someone's life and say, say amen, that's how I think God answers the prayers. This is what you're looking for. Sometimes, be the miracle. Step in and be the miracle in someone's life, even if it's not easy. You know, this past year, we did a 40 days of prayer. Remember 40 days of prayer? We had 40 days of prayer in February, March, leading up to Easter. We're asking God, God, what's next for our church? What's next in our lives? During the middle of that 40 days of prayer, we got a phone call from a church in Texas. There was a church in Texas that's a mega church. In fact, one of the largest churches in America. Run about 30,000 people, five or six different campuses. The name of that church is Lake Point Church. Same felon, same everything. So they called us and said, hey, we have on Facebook a domain name that they wanted. Facebook.com slash Lake Point Church. We own that. We also own Instagram at Lake Point Church. We own that. No one else can have that because we claimed it first on Facebook and Instagram. For them, that was a big deal because they're trying to rebrand everything. They were trying to, hey, we want to be Lake Point Church, Lake Point Church, be consistent. And uh, for whatever long story of it, they wanted to buy it from us. I was like, well, how much are you interested in buying? And so, well, how, you tell me a price. And I'm going to be honest, you know, many times we're sitting there and saying, I'm not really interested in selling it. But if they got $50,000, I'll give it to them. So we, you know, they said, hey, we're not really interested, because they kept bugging us about this. We just weren't interested, but if you got $50,000, I'll be open for it. Oh, man. Now, when you have that many people, $50,000 is not that much, okay? A lot of money for us. But when you have 30,000 people every week, $50,000 is, is, is really little. Uh, you know, $50,000, we can't do that. It's okay. That's okay. We're, we're just not interested in selling it. About two weeks later, they call back. By the way, we're still in the middle of the pr- 40 days of prayer. They said, so we want to talk to you. We want to make an offer. So many times, we're sitting in the office and say, hey, guys, how's it going? And say, hey, good. And said, so we want to make an offer for $25,000. Will you be interested? My eyes got big. I said, wow, I mean, you know, it's really only worth a thousand bucks. $25,000. And kind of, there was kind of a pause, and long story short is, they said, how about this? $35,000. Will you take it? I said, you know, I got to pray about this. I said, let me call you back. We're in 40 days to pray. We hang up the phone, and I look at Tom. Tom and I, man, $35,000. We could do a lot with $35,000 for us. Can you all say amen? But you know, God sometimes gets in the way to show us the way. And I'm praying. I'm asking God to really spend an extra time in that 40 days of prayer. Donkey ears. I hear God says, Scott. Just give them the money. Just give them the domain name. Don't take their money. I said, no, God. (laughs) The next day, God, don't take the money. In fact, ask them to give the money to church planting in Detroit. But God, we need the money. 
By the way, there was no prospect of a building at all at this point. God said, trust me. I will bless you more when you become a hand that's open. So I go to the office on Monday time. I said, Tom, I got to tell you, we're not taking the money. We're just going to give it. We're going to ask them to give the money to Detroit. And whatever they give, yeah, I don't care. They can give five bucks for all I care. Whatever, we're just going to be generous. And so we did. We called them up, and they were crying. They were like, are you kidding me? Yes, we just want to be, just give it to Detroit, however you want to do it, in church planting. Don't involve us with it. We don't care. Just bless church planting, and take that 35, 25, whatever you want to give. Give it to Detroit. And I would say, within less than a month, the opportunity to buy a building pop up. And God's showing us, i got to get in the way to show you the way so that you could be a miracle in someone else's life. And we became a miracle, not so much for Lake Point, Detroit, or Lake Point, Texas, but church planting in Detroit area. You say, God, you're crazy. I know. <laughs> but I believe that God can do a lot more when we are open-handed and we give it to God. Here's the third point, and I'll wrap this up. God is far less concerned with where we are going than who we are becoming. And I think that's true in that story I just told you. God says, God, I just, it's not about where you're going. It's about who you're becoming. And I want you to be a person. You say you want to be generous. You talk about generosity. You talk about being bold with your faith. Why don't you stop talking about it and live it? I want you not to, I'm not so concerned about where you're going. I'm more concerned about who you're becoming. And that's exactly what happened in the life of Balaam. Look at verse 34 and 35. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. If, if, if you want me to, I'll go back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, No, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. And so Balaam went with Balak the official. And this is interesting to me. He's like, I'm going to kill you for going, but I want you to go. Okay? But what's going on? I believe that Balaam, after this encounter with a talking donkey and an angel in the road, changed the attitude, the spirit, and the mindset of Balaam. Now he's no longer interested in money. He's no longer interested in cursing. All he cares about is obeying whatever God tells him to do. And if that means he will lose it all, he was willing to take that risk and to do it because it was better to obey than to disobey. It was all about who he was becoming rather where he was going. It's not about getting to where God wants to go. It's about becoming the person that he wants us to be. And that's the main point of the story. It's not about a talking donkey. The main point in this whole story is about a God who gets in the way because he loves us enough. It's not about where we're going. It's about who we're becoming. It's about God doing the work in us. God using circumstances, frustration, in spite of a, whatever situation we're going through. So how did the story end? You're going to have to read chapter 23 and chapter 24 of Numbers, but let me give you the basic gist of it. He finally gets to Balak. Balak, they finally showed up. He said, yeah, but remember, Balak, I'm only going to obey God. Whatever he tells me to do, I'll do. He said, oh, okay, let's go. He goes and see in a, in the Israelites down in the valley. They offer sacrifices. And then Balaam prays and says, God, what do you want me to say? And three times it happens. And all three times, Balaam prays and God gives him a word. And instead of cursing the Israelites, he blessed them. Now you got King Balak, he's mad. He's like, dude, what, what are you doing? You're supposed to be cursing them. You're supposed to put a spell on them. You're blessing them. What kind of deal I'm getting here? He said it three times, the fourth, and then after three times, he said, you got to stop. They're making it worse, Balaam. You got to stop. And then Balaam said, you know what? God's got one more word. 
It was the word for you, Balak. And instead of a blessing, he gave him a curse. But out of that story, out of that whole thing, Balaam gave a prophecy that there will be a Messiah that will come out of Judah, and he will rule and reign forever and ever. God can use anyone and anything to accomplish his mission. I pray that you'll be available to do whatever, whatever God wants you to be. Help you not to be frustrated when God gets in the way to show you the way. I pray that you become a miracle in someone's life. Be a blessing in disguise. Sometimes you got to speak the hard truth. That means sometimes you got to be the donkey so that you can preach the word, preach the truth and love, or whatever it is. God is more interested of who you're becoming rather than where you're going. Our Father God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the crazy story. But so much power unpacked in this great passage of Scripture. And I pray, God, that you will use us in a powerful, powerful way to accomplish your mission. God, sometimes we get frustrated. Whatever circumstances in life that we're facing, we get frustrated. God, I pray today that we put our trust in you and that we begin to experience joy in the closed doors of our lives because you're setting us up for the right open doors. And God, I pray that you help us to be patient and have faith in the circumstances of life that doesn't always seem like it comes our way. God, I pray that we will help us to be a blessing in disguise to somebody else, be a, be a miracle in someone's life. And God, help us to grow. It's not about where we're going. So much that's about who we're becoming in you. God, I pray as we step out in the waters, in the deep part of the waters, that we will trust you with faith and that we will reach out for you. It's not about us trying to manipulate, but it's about being open-handed and following and listening to the still, small voice. And you and I pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's worship this last song.